um, we find that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the hadith of Sunan Abi Dawud describes a happening for us on the day of judgment. And it goes as follows An Abdullah ibn Amr al Aas radiallahu an anin nabihi sallallahu alayhi wasallam aqal well known hadith, I'm sure most people know this hadith. It will be said to the Sahibul Quran, and we're going to talk a lot about this Sahib concept. It will be said to the Sahibul Quran, meaning on the Day of Judgment, Iqra, start reading, start reciting. Wartaqi, and ascend the steps, like you walked up here, similar to that concept. And recite the Quran with those measured tones, slow, correctly, accurately, the way you did on earth. For verily your final abode will be where you reach to recite the last verse that you're able to recite. So a person will be asked to recite on the day of Qiyamah. But who are these people? Ashabul Qur'an, the Sahibul Qur'an. And that's what we want to unpack tonight, inshallah. That what does the Prophet ﷺ mean by it's Sahibul Qur'an? A lot of people will say it refers to those who have memorized the Qur'an. And I'm going to argue tonight, that's the lawyer in me, I'm going to argue, that it is not the Hafizul Qur'an. And well, if you disagree, we can argue later, but now I'm going to tell you, it is not, this hadith does not refer to those who have memorized the Qur'an. But we'll look at that further, inshallah. So what does the Prophet ﷺ say? That if the Qur'an, or if you are a sahibul Qur'an, sahib means a companion, loosely translated just for this part of the talk. Sahibul Qur'an, a companion of the Qur'an. So it will be said to the companion of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah, after the whole process of judgment, now recite. So basically, at the doors of Jannah, enter, start reading. And as you read, your, your level will be elevated. That could mean physically going higher, higher up into the levels of Jannah, it could also mean in honor and respect that you achieve more than what others get. So we get the Prophet and the Siddiqeen, Shuhada, they will be at a special level in Jannah. So that is, let's consider that the end goal. That is where we want to reach, inshallah. One step back, the Prophet said, Again, عن أبي أمامة رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أبو أمامة رضي الله عنه says I heard the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم saying famous hadith اقرأ القرآن recite recite the words of Allah فإنه يأتي يوم القيامة شفيعا لأصحابه رواه مسلم recite it why because it will, the Qur'an will be an interceder, will intercede on our behalf, seek Allah's forgiveness on the day of Qiyamah. Again, the Prophet ﷺ uses the word sahib or ashab, plural. 
So it will intercede on behalf of the Sahibul Qur'an, the companion of the Qur'an. Hadith of Sahih al-Muslim. عن النواس ابن سمعان رضي الله عنه نواس ابن سمعان رضي الله عنه سيسمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول أهد the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم saying يؤتى يوم القيامة بالقرآن وأهله on the day of قيامة Allah سبحانه وتعالى they be called but the verse is يؤتى we brought they will be brought forward and summoned forward who are these people well first the Quran itself and وأهلي, and its people, the people of the Qur'an. الَّذِينَ كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ بِهِ Those who acted upon it في الدنيا in this life. تَقْدُمُهُ سُورَةُ الْبَقَرَةِ وَآلِ عمران. And two of the surahs will come forth first, and they'll come forward presenting themselves تَحَاجَانِ عَنْ صَاحِبِهِمَا and they will be speaking on behalf of defending the sahib. Same word. Three hadith. There are many more. I just pick these three for the purpose of our talk tonight as an introduction. So the Prophet ﷺ is really telling me and you that the companions of the Qur'an, way at the end, the final goal will be they'll be asked to read and they'll elevate in the status, um, the heights and the status of Jannah. Amin. May Allah grant it to us. And but step before that, they will even be, the Qur'an will be speaking on their behalf, begging Allah for their forgiveness on the Day of Judgment. So much so that two surahs will compete with one another to seek Allah's forgiveness for that individual. So we find that the Prophet has made it very clear to us that this Qur'an will be of tremendous value and benefit to us in the year after. It's going to benefit us from our death to reckoning to Jannah. So really the journey of the soul is connected to the Qur'an. May Allah ta'ala make us from amongst them. Ameen. I'm going to pause here, inshallah. I'm going to ask you more questions, inshallah. We're not playing Kahoot though. Um, two questions, inshallah, very quickly. Put up your hand if you know the answer, inshallah. In the first hadith I mentioned, the Prophet asked, said the person will be asked to read in a particular manner. How would they need to recite or read at that moment of entry into Jannah? Just put up your hand who remembers, inshallah. How should, how will they be asked to recite? I need to see whether you're listening or not. Yes, sister, I don't know. Very good, yes, in measured tones. Thank you so much. Yep, wonderful. That's number one. Number two, question number two. All three hadith, the Prophet uses the same word. What is the word? I'm sure we can all shout it out, yes? Sahib, or in the one hadith says Ashab. Thank you so much. I'll be doing that throughout the night, inshallah. So start listening, inshallah. Um, so the Prophet here paints an important picture for us. That the Quran is going to benefit us entry into Jannah, Day of Judgment and the like. But the Prophet puts one condition. And what condition is that? 
that you need to be a companion of the Qur'an or we can flip it around the Qur'an needs to be your companion and we're going to look at that that what should we be doing to be able to be companions of the Qur'an we're talking about the journey of a lifetime this journey that we're going to travel with the Qur'an and we want to look at that inshallah so we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one hadith mentions, Iqra'ul Qur'an, recite it. So the starting point for all of us is, how do we make the Qur'an our companion? We have to start by recitation. But that's not the end of it all. It is only the beginning, recitation. So we start from that. Why? We heard the hadith previously. But also, yes, um, seven things, inshallah, those taking notes, you can start writing, inshallah, where... There are seven reasons why we should recite the Qur'an. Seven reasons why we should recite it. Number one, first of all, because that's the first command that Allah Ta'ala gave in the initial revelation. As we know, how many verses were revealed initially? First revelation, five. From which surah? Al-Alaq. Right? So Allah Ta'ala says, Iqra' bismi rabbikal so the Prophet ﷺ there was commanded to read, to recite. So we are required to recite the Qur'an. Why? Because that is the initial starting point of revelation. That is the most important thing that was revealed is this important duty of recitation. That's number one. Secondly, the Qur'an is a means, so when we are reciting it, it purifies us, it cleanses us. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kitabun, a book, anzalnahu ilayk, we have revealed it to you, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa nur, to remove people from darkness to light. So the Qur'an was revealed for this purpose, that it becomes a means of us moving out of darkness and sin and impurity into purification and nur and light. May Allah Ta'ala grant us. Ameen. Thirdly, the Quran, reading the Qur'an protects us from transgression and immorality. That the Qur'an will protect us from wrong and sin and immorality. Fourthly, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, well, before I say the verse, um, reading the Qur'an protects us from all sorts of evil, like all sins and wrong. We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya nas, O mankind, قَدَ جَاءَكُمْ مُوْعِذَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ An advice came to you from your Rabb, وَشِفَاءٌ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ And it's a cure for the illnesses of the heart. So if we have remedied the illnesses and the diseases in our heart, automatically we'll be able to then avoid sin and wrong and we'll be gravitating more towards obedience and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because our hearts have been cleansed, they've been cured from sin and wrong. May Allah ta'ala grant us recovery from it. Ameen. Number five, reading the Quran puts contentment and peace in our hearts. Reading the Quran puts contentment in our hearts. As Allah ta'ala says, those who believe and their hearts find tranquility in the Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala says dhikr, but it's a reference to the Qur'an. Alas, take note, know this fact 
that due to the recitation of the Qur'an, the remembrance of Allah through the Qur'an, hearts find contentment. And the last one, number no, it's number six, yeah? Number six, reading Qur'an earns us rewards. We know this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He who recites a verse, well actually a harf, a letter of the Qur'an, of the book of Allah gets a reward and is multiplied by 10. Number seven, read the Quran leads to understanding. So the more we recite it, it will motivate us to want to understand it. If I'm not reciting it, how would I be even interested in knowing what it means? If I'm not engaging with the Quran at that level of recitation, how would I even want to know what it means? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna anzalnahu. We have revealed it Quran and Arabian and Quran in Arabic language so that you may gain understanding and knowledge from it. Come inside. Alright, three questions quickly inshallah. Bismillah. Let's see who remembers. What impact does the Quran have on our hearts? Easy one. What impact does the Qur'an have on our hearts? Hands up quickly, sister. Thank you so much. It leaves contentment and peace. Beautiful. The uh, Qur'an says that the Qur'an, it carries us from, one, from point A to point B. What is this point A to point B? What is it? Thank you so much. Darkness to light. Beautiful. Right. And the last one, inshallah. When a person recites one letter, one harf of the Qur'an, how much reward do they get? How much reward? Ten. That's correct. It says one multiplied by ten. Thank you so much. So we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so step number one, brothers and sisters, is if we want to become companions of the Qur'an, we have to start by reading it. And for some it might mean learning basic the alphabet starting there and developing your reading. But our aim and objective must be that I want to reach a point where the Mus'haf is in my hand, I open any page and I can recite the Arabic. Whether I understand it or not, we'll talk about that later. The starting point is recitation. Starting point is recitation. May Allah Ta'ala guide us. Ameen. For the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has said with regards to recitation, Hadith of Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet says, Quran. That person who recites Yaqra from the word Quran reads the Quran and he is proficient in it, an expert in its recitation. That in status, in the eyes of Allah, that individual status is with that of those honorable scribe angels. Angels were given the duty of scribing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The person who develops proficiency in Quran recitation in the eyes of Allah, that person's status is equal to angels. May Allah grant us to be amongst them. Ameen. But then Allah ta'ala says, the Prophet says, But the person who recites it, and they stumble and stutter in their recitation. And it's actually hard upon them. 
It's actually difficult for them to do. They get double, double reward for it. So yes, we should aspire to be proficient in Quran recitation. But if we are struggling, if we consider us weak in Quran recitation, we should not be discouraged by it. We should still be making an effort to recite it, work hard at it, you know, get a teacher, get the help, because we are continuously getting a reward for it. So when we are thinking about this journey of ours with the Qur'an, we know we want to end up, we want to end up where Allah Ta'ala tells us recite and we go up into all the heaven, the stages of Jannah at least. That's what we want to aim for. What we're talking about now is those initial steps we need to take to get there, inshallah. So we start with recitation. Number two, now that a person has learned to recite it, perhaps even started memorizing it. The next step, or maybe even completely memorized it, whatever it is, the next step is to understand this Qur'an. So the next step of our journey with the Qur'an is understanding. Show of hands here who understands the Arabic language. Show of hands. I'm not going to test you. I don't know Arabic myself. So what am I going to test you? But thank you so much. So as we can see in this room alone, whatever number of people we have here, the percentage of people who speak Arabic know the language as a first language is a very small amount in comparison to the multitude of Muslims who read the Qur'an. So the reality is we can agree that most people don't understand what they are reciting. And dare I say that even many of those who do understand and speak and read Arabic, because Qur'an is in classical Arabic, even much of it, even the first language Arabic speakers will not fully understand and comprehend. And I say that respectfully. The point ultimately, my brothers and sisters, is the reality is most of us are in that boat of not understanding the words of Allah. So what happens? We learn to recite, we memorize, and we think, well, I've done my job. I've achieved, I can read it, so I'm okay. I've memorized it, so I'm okay. No, we're not okay. Because that is only the beginning. Even memorizing the whole Qur'an is only the beginning of the journey. Understanding it is vital. Now, those of us who don't speak Arabic or don't know the language, what are some of the ways that we can get to understand the Qur'an? Give me some ideas. Anyways, ideas? How can we get... We don't know Arabic, so how do we get to know it? We look at the translation. That's one method. Another method? Learn the language, so we need to learn Arabic, right? How easy is that? No, it's not easy, all right? Many people have tried. It's really a challenging thing. Thirdly, what other way can we get to understand the Qur'an? Nice and loud? Lectures, that's right. Listen to scholars who talk about it. So there are many ways, many ways that we can develop an understanding of the Qur'an. Learning the Arabic language is the best way, but that's quite a difficult thing. And I'm saying difficult, I'm hoping that I'm not discouraging anybody from it, but that's the reality. So we should be aiming to know it 
through the language. If we don't know, the next would then be to at least use translation of it. Now remembering that the translation of the Qur'an is really just a translation of the meaning of the Qur'an. This is reality. English and other languages cannot do justice to the Arabic. As we know in English, for example, I can give you one word in the Qur'an and you'll get three lines written in English. Just to explain what that one word means. So English and other languages do not do justice to the actual meaning. It's not going to give you full comprehension of what Allah Ta'ala says, but at least we have an idea. We, we can learn from it. So it's vitally important that we engage, at least if we don't know the language, with translation of the Qur'an. It's not the best, but at least engage with it. So what you read, look at the translation. What you memorize, get a feel of the translation. You might not remember it totally, but engage with the Qur'an in that manner. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ Don't they ponder this Qur'an? أَمْ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا Or is it that there are locks on their hearts preventing them from thinking about it? It's amazing, my brothers and sisters, even if we don't understand it, if we just pondered for a moment when somebody's reciting or you reciting yourself. So I don't understand what I'm reading, but I'm pondering that, you know what, this is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At least that should make me already feel something in my heart that, you know, I'm not reading a script of some person, but rather I'm reading the words, actual words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kitabun, a book, anzalna, who we revealed it to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Mubarak, a blessed one, liyadabbaru ayati, so that they ponder its verses. So there's no doubt that on our journey with the Qur'an, we need to ponder its meaning. Don't be satisfied that I can read it. Don't be satisfied that I've memorized it. That's not enough. I need to now engage with its meaning. Thirdly, inshallah, is practice. Once we have gained understanding of the Qur'an, we need to without a doubt implement it in our lives. And this is one of the biggest challenges for us. I have no doubt most of us in this room recite the Qur'an. Many perhaps even engage with translation. The challenge and the worst of the Lord for us is, how do I bring it into my life? And remembering my brothers and sisters, the first three hadith I mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ says who? Not the Hafizul Qur'an, the one who memorized it. Not the Qari'ul Qur'an, the one who recited it. But who? The Sahibul Qur'an, the companion. A companion is one who reads it, develops an understanding of its meaning, and then practices it. If we don't practice the Qur'an, we will never qualify as a Sahibul Qur'an. If we don't live by its dictates, we'll never be a sahibul Qur'an. So we need to practice it. It has to come into our lives. It actually has to model our personality. As Aisha radiallahu when asked, can you describe the character, we all know this, the character of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi what did she say? Khulukuhu al-Qur'an. Beautiful commentators of hadith say you can look at this two ways. If you want to... See somebody who has 
lived the meaning of the Quran, look at the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And if you want to see practically how the Quran was practiced, look at the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And if you want to see a description of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, read the Quran and you'll know his thinking, you'll know his mindset sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So for me and my brothers and sisters, if Qur'an is just going to be on our shelf for occasional recital of Jumu'ah, Surah Al-Kaf, somebody passed away, I want to do some ta'ziyah, Ramadan, I want to do, and then the rest of the time collects dust on the shelf, we are not sahib al-Qur'an. May Allah forgive us. This Qur'an, it has to be a companion in every day of our lives. From recitation to understanding to practice. And the fourth one is the so the, the first three, the elements of how do I bring this Quran into my life, other than recitation, would be of course first recitation, understanding, practice, and the last one, then to teach it to others. One of the most amazing ways to connect with the Qur'an is to teach somebody else. Absolutely. Personal experience. That the more you teach other people, the more connected you become with it. The more you want to recite it, the more you want to understand it. And the Prophet says, Sahih al-Bukhari hadith, Khayrukum man ta'allama al-Qur'an wa'allama, known famous hadith, the best amongst you and the best here means everything and anybody. Whatever we consider of high quality and caliber in this world, above all of those are the people who read the Quran, learn the Quran, not really read it, learn about it and teach others. Allam al Quran, so you teach somebody else. So the fourth way is to teach other people. Propagate this to Quran to others. Encourage others to recite it. Help them. Whether it's Alif, Bata, you're teaching, you're helping somebody. Perhaps even share its meanings. You learn some beautiful meaning of the Quran, share it with somebody. In this way, a companion, a true companion of the Quran will have these elements in them. What are the four elements? Number one, to read it or memorize it. Number two, to understand it. Number three, to practice it. And number four, to then propagate it to others. Without those four, and you need to tick all four boxes, will never qualify as a Sahibul Quran. Never. Hence, back to my initial statement that this hadith does not refer to those who've memorized the Quran. Because there are many who have memorized it and have no idea what it means. There are many who've memorized it. And their life is contrary to that Qur'an. There are many who have memorized it and they do not teach anybody even one word of it. So just even though I have high regard for memorization of Qur'an, as was mentioned in the introduction, I myself memorize a very young age. So in no way am I saying there's no value, absolutely amazing reward and benefit from memorization. And I would encourage anybody to do it. What I'd say though is don't stop once you've memorized. Don't think I've achieved my goal. No, that's only the beginning. Now we need to understand and practice and propagate. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us. Ameen. For the next few minutes, what we want to look at is what is so amazing about the Quran though? 
Why is it that this Qur'an should be our companion for our whole lives? And why is it that if we don't have the Qur'an as a companion, then our life is heading in an unpleasant direction? But if we have the Qur'an as a companion, then nurun ala nur will benefit upon benefit upon benefit from it. Let's look at it. There are some themes in the Qur'an. So when we are reciting it, when we are reading it, meaning you're going to pick out certain themes of the Qur'an. And it's not an exhaustive list, but the few that I've written down, there are about eight themes that I had in the time available to me to prepare this talk. I know they're given many weeks, but usually we leave it for the last minute anyway. But um, eight, I'll say eight significant themes of the Qur'an. As I mentioned them, I want you to think about how, where am I at in my life with this theme of the Qur'an? Am I gaining this from the Qur'an? Am I benefiting according to this theme from the Qur'an or not? So the first one is absolutely fill the whole Qur'an oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Tawheed is a standard discussion in the whole Qur'an. As we know, Ayatul Kursi, Allah Ta'ala starts right in the beginning, Allahu, Allah is La ilaha illahu, none worthy of worship but who? He who al hayyul qayyum, etc., etc. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has filled the Qur'an with Tawheed. Reminders for me and you about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when I'm reading the Quran, when we're looking at the meaning, we're getting this constant reminder, Allah is one, Allah is one, Allah is one, Allah is one. If it didn't strike my heart the first time, surely by the 10th or 20th time, it starts sinking in, Allah is one, Allah is one. It starts modeling my behavior now because now I start thinking, Allah is one, I need to worship Allah alone. I need to do things for Allah's sake and so on and so forth. So by reciting the Quran with those themes in mind, we will develop it. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in the Quran things that relate to mankind as an individual. So there are many things in the Qur'an that talks about things that we should know as an individual, just for me. For example, how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how do I worship? How do I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You're taught in the Qur'an with hadith, but Qur'an guides us. Number two, the different laws that Allah ta'ala has for us. As we mentioned in our Kahoot quiz, um, inheritance as an example. And many other things. Zakat is there and the rest. So Allah Ta'ala in many places of the Qur'an teaches us or mentions to us rules that we need to adopt in our lives. So again, think about it. If I read it once or twice, gradually it, I start comprehending the importance of it and I start bringing it into my life. So that's a sahibul Qur'an. That they read it so many times and think about it so many times that it starts setting in their minds and in their hearts and they bring it into their lives. Number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave mankind guidance in how to behave socially. So the one is individually for myself, but also socially. We are social beings, that's how we exist. We have to mix and interact with people. Allah ta'ala in the Quran has shown us many verses. The two famous surahs are Surah Al-Nur and Surah Al-Hujarat. 
that speaks about how we interact with one another. So, كل المؤمنين غضوا من بصارهم من التوت اللوه الجيز كل المؤمنات هم من التوت اللوه الجيز. That's a social behavior. Further in Surah An-Nur, Allah Taala then talks about the three times that young children should take permission to enter into the privacy of the parents. In other words, in the room of the parents. It's there. Allah Ta'ala talks in another place of the importance of knocking on somebody's door when you come to somebody's door to knock. Well, Allah Ta'ala doesn't say knock, says take permission. Again, we are guided accordingly. Further in Surah An-Nur, Allah Ta'ala talks about um, dressing, which women are permitted to remove their hijab under which circumstances and which times of the day. Further, Allah Ta'ala talks about eating, a simple thing as eating in the house of different people. So we find that Surah An-Nur is filled with all these social rules and etiquettes. Surah Al-Hujarat on the other hand talks more about the, the way we treat one another, not to mock at each other, not to backbite, no you know, um, humiliating nicknames and the like, and realizing our differences. Surah Hujarat talks about that. These are only two that I've mentioned. There are many others in the Quran. So we find that if we read it, understand its meaning, dig into it, and we try to really ponder its meaning, gradually those behaviors will become our behavior. We'll start adopting those behaviors because we've read it and understood it so many times. Number four. We find that in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala has described nature around us. Right? So the environment is important. We should be looking after it. But also Allah Ta'ala explains how the environment reminds us of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Many verses, again, I just picked from, you know, which I once popped in my head, where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, أَلَمْ تَرَوْ كَيْفَ خَلَقَ اللَّهِ in Surah An-Nuh. Have you not seen how Allah Ta'ala created the heavens and the earth? Seven levels, one on top of the other. And then جعل, and then what did Allah Ta'ala do? Created for us the, the moon as a light and created the sun for us as the lantern from which light comes. So again, when we are walking outside and I'm looking at the trees, I should be thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the sun is shining, I should be thinking, Ya Rabb, this is your creation. When I look at a beautiful moon like we had last night and the other night, we should be thinking about Allah. There's only three things. There's the mountains, there's so many other things. That when we look at it, many places in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says that. Ponder, ponder about the creation around us. And see in it the reality of the existence of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Number six, no, number five, yeah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, many places talks about prophets of the past. And Allah ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ What's the first word? لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرًا That there's a lesson to be learned in their story. Their stories are not there for entertainment. Not at all. They're there for us to learn from it. So again, I'm reciting the Qur'an. I understand its meaning beautiful story of this prophet, that prophet, that prophet, and we learn lessons. So we don't make the same mistakes. We adopt those behaviors. Our life gets impacted and influenced by that recitation. Number six, Allah Ta'ala beautifully describes Jannah for us. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala beautifully, in a sense, it's not a beautiful thing, but Allah Ta'ala beautifully describes Jahannam for us, just to get an appreciation of what it is. And there are many verses 
You know, it will take a long, long time to cover all of them. But we know these verses. Allah Ta'ala describes Jannah, describes Jahannam. Why is it? So that every time I recite it and I come across a verse of Jannah, the feeling in my heart should be, Ya Allah, grant me. We should be making dua for it. We should be reflecting, is my life taking me towards Jannah? And when we read about Jahannam and its description and the, the fear that comes in our heart when we read it, it should be impacting and say, well, I need to work very hard to avoid that. I need to save myself from it. If there's anything in my life that's leading me towards that, I need to change and improve it. So as you can see, a sahibul Qur'an will carry this Qur'an with them in this manner. Recitation, understanding, practice and propagation. It's number six. Number seven. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, theme number seven is, talks about temptation in the Qur'an. And temptation is our biggest weakness. Right? We blame shaitan for it, but shaitan on the day of Qiyamah will say, but I didn't make you do it. Blame yourself or don't blame me. I just took you there and you continued afterwards. So we need to look at the temptation around us. What is it doing to us? So when we read in the Quran where Allah Ta'ala talks about it and talks about shaitan and his influence on us and the like, the next time I commit a sin, I should be thinking, wait, temptation, I need to be careful. Shaitan is influencing me, let me watch out. But I'm only going to achieve that through Quran recitation, through reading those verses over and over and over. As I say, the first probably 10 times we read it, it has very little impact on us. No matter the meaning of it. Very little. It's going to take much more recitation and meaning and understanding of the Quran for it to actually influence our behavior. Therefore, many of us here probably know many ayat in the Quran. Just knowing it in my head will not impact my behavior, will not drive me to respond and react and behave according to the Quran. It takes much, much more than that. May Allah Ta'ala guide us. Ameen. That's number seven, yeah? As the Prophet Allah Ta'ala at least says, Inna shaytana lakum aduwa is an enemy to you. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. Ameen. Number eight, last one. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the theme of the Qur'an is the, this Muslim ummah. The need for us to be connected as an ummah, followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fain vazaz, innama al-mu'minuna ikhwa, well-known verse, and a few others in the Qur'an. Kuntum khayra ummatin and the like. Where Allah ta'ala talks about this concept, this idea of you're a group of believers together. Be combined, be together and the like. So those are eight themes of the Qur'an that Allah Ta'ala mentions. There are many more. There are just eight themes I picked for today just to help us ponder this concept of Sahibul Qur'an and understand the importance of the journey of our life with the Qur'an. Not occasional interaction with it. It's a journey throughout our life beginning to end. Then only will we be raised on the day of Qiyamah as Sahibul Qur'an. May Allah Ta'ala make us from amongst them. Ameen. Now, two parts left, inshallah, based on the time we have. Number one, how do I now, hopefully you've understood where we're at, how do I make myself entitled to be a sahibul Qur'an? How do I do that? We now understand the value, we understand the need of having Qur'an in our life, every day of our lives, and how it will impact our behavior and, you know, 
inform us of how to behave, but how do I make myself amongst those who I'm entitled to be a Sahib al-Quran? Few there, inshallah, lots of sevens, another seven here too. Number one is when we engage with the Quran, number one, these are pra practical tips, inshallah, is to have a sincere intention. So I'm not reading it because, you know, I got free time, let me sit and read the Quran. I'm a bit early in the masjid, I'll just take one off the shelf. That, that's not sincere intention. And there's a big difference between intent and sincerity. Right? Niyah, that's intent. Ikhlas, that's sincerity. I need to sit there with this intention when I open this mushaf, Ya Rab, let something of this mushaf come into my heart. Let me gain something out of it. So we need to sit with the Quran in front of us with that purpose and that intent. It cannot be just to fill a bit of time or um, for whatever secondary intentions we have. No, it has to be, Ya Allah, I'm opening this. I'm going to recite your words, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let something of this enter my heart. Number one. Number two, a practical tip, my brothers and sisters, is have a dedicated Quran for yourself. A mushaf. Put a nice cover on it. And let that mushaf be yours for the rest of your life. And I'm not sure if you can appreciate the value of this idea. There are many in the room who are memorizing Quran. I have the Mus'haf in the Quran from those days. It's got its cover on and I still have it. The important thing is, my brothers and sisters, how can I connect to it if I haven't taken sort of ownership of it? If I'm just picking any Mus'haf off the shelf anytime, it's a, a lack of connection. <coughs> If you want to phone somebody, you're not going to grab anybody's phone in front of you. You're going to look for yours, right? When we leave now, you're going to look for your car keys. We've developed a connection with that. That's my car that takes me on my journey. That's my phone that connects with people. Then why not have a Quran that you connect with? This is mine. No one's going to take it. And I'm going to look. When the pages tear, you put sticky tape, fix it, but you look after it. That is real connection with the Quran. And hence, my brothers and sisters, yes, look at my age, I'm very gray. You know, we're not very much for technology, but I'm telling you, absolutely, reading from your phones is amongst the worst things that has been developed in this world. The worst things, to read Quran from your phones. I probably think, oh, you probably, I also do it. I have Mus'haf on my, but when? When I need to check a verse quickly. Can't remember, let me just check quickly. Or I'm in a place where I don't have my mushaf. But I cannot understand how we sit in a masjid, shelf full of masahif, no one takes it off the shelf, everybody pulls their phone out. That same phone that probably while you're reciting, somebody sends a message. And there you're distracted from it. That same phone probably we watch soccer on it the next day. Like, how can we connect with the Qur'an if we're treating it in reality, I'm sorry for the word, with this level of disdain? Hence, thank you so much. Hence, for me, my brothers and sisters, you want to be a sahib al-Qur'an? Only use your phones when absolutely necessary. You don't have a mushaf and you want to check something. But when you're wanting to connect with the Qur'an, hold a mushaf in your hand. 
make that wudu and sit with the mushaf, connect with it. Look at the words, let your eyes see the pages. Ask Allah, Ya Allah, enter this nur into my heart. There's no way other than that that we can become sahibul Qur'an. And I'm going to have to speed up here just a little bit, inshallah. And number four, act like a companion of the Qur'an. Act like a sahibul Qur'an. Once, as I said, once we've read it, we've understood it, we're building our journey with this Qur'an, it has to influence my character. The way I speak, the way I act, the way I dress, the way I interact with people has to start looking like a person of the Qur'an. I cannot in any way, and I say this very respectfully, I cannot, it cannot be that I am engaging with the Qur'an, but in my free time I listen to music, for example. No way. If you are sahibul Qur'an, you should have no inclination towards music. If you genuinely have connected with the Qur'an and it's entered our heart, there's no way music will be of interest to us. Because the beauty of the Qur'an is beyond any melody on earth. There's no way you can find joy in listening to that when you could have put on, you know, Sheikh Abdul Basit or my favorite, Sheikh Al-Manshawi or other beautiful recitals. If you don't want to read yourself, you could be listening to them. So Sahibul Qur'an will be so connected, so start acting like a companion of the Qur'an. Somebody who, people look at you and say, oh, this person must be from the Qur'an. May Allah Ta'ala make us from among those. Ameen. Speeding up, people. Let's go. Like they say, tie your belts, inshallah. Let the Qur'an determine your actions and principles. I'm just going to skip past that. Listen to qualified reciters of the Qur'an. Very important thing. Often listen to others recite it. Whatever, whatever media you want to use, but listen to the recitation of Qur'an. So if I don't have the energy, I'm a bit tired to read it myself, listen. Listening is rewarding. You're hearing the words. Inshallah the nur will enter and you... You're enjoying the melody of the Qur'an recitation. Moving on, inshallah. Make friends with people who are connected to the Qur'an. Al-mar'u ma'aman ahab, the Prophet says, that a man will be with those who he loves. Meaning on the day of Qiyamah, we'll be raised with those people whom we love. Mix with the people of the Qur'an. Befriend them. Even if you haven't memorized Mix with those of memorized, provided their life is in order. Mix with those of memorized. Mix with people of Quran. Gradually, it will rub off on you. Gradually, we'll also talk about the Quran. It will be interest. Their conversation will be about Quran. You'll hear about it, and you'll gradually also contribute to the conversation. All right, conclusion, inshallah, based on our time, inshallah. Four things. No, three things. Make it three, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us in a very beautiful surah, Surah Al-Qamar. And if you want to start your journey in engaging with the Qur'an, I'll tell you, pick the surah, inshallah. Surah Al-Qamar, the one just before Surah Al-Rahman. Pick that surah if you haven't read it or don't know the meaning of it or haven't engaged with it. If you want to start your journey, absolutely pick the surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that surah multiple times repeats amazing words. And when you're engaging with its meaning, also listen to somebody recite it. Yeah? You will hear in their voices when they read this particular verse, without a doubt, you pick any reciter that recites Surah Al-Qamar. I challenge you to prove me wrong. Pick any reciter 
that recites Surah Al-Qamar. And when they say the words, وَلَقَدَ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَحَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرِ Listen to the emotion in their voices. Any reciter, anywhere in the world. And if you find somebody that has no emotion, show me that, inshallah. I promise you, anybody who knows the surah, who knows its meaning, you cannot read that ayah without an emotion in your heart. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala is saying, We've made this Qur'an very easy for understanding, for comprehension. So who are those who are going to heed and take a message? Those words, are, it's a beat on the heart. Because we all read it. We find it easy to read. Now who amongst us and how many of us are taking a lesson from the Qur'an? And Allah Ta'ala says that verse multiple times in that surah. Engage with it, inshallah. Number two. So number one. Understand that the Qur'an is easy to engage with, easy to grasp, easy to work with. It's not a difficult thing. Number two, let the Qur'an mold your personality. So engage with the Qur'an in that manner, with that intent that, Ya Allah, what I read, I want to bring it into my life. What I read, I want to practice. And the more we do that, it will take time, but we'll get there where we start modeling that behavior according to what we read in the Qur'an. Lastly, inshallah, And may Allah Ta'ala make us from amongst these. Ameen. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, and I conclude on this inshallah, Inna lillahi ahleen minan nas. There are some people that are very special to Allah from amongst all mankind. Hadith of Musnad Imam Ahmad. Authentic hadith. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Inna lillahi ahleen minan nas. There are certain people who are very special to Allah. Ahleen is usually refers to family, but there are some friends that we treat like family, correct? Because you have such a great connection with them, you feel like they are family. The companions ask, Ya Rasulullah, man whom, who are these people? Who are you referring to? The Prophet says, whom Ahlul Quran. They are the people of the Quran. Ahlullah, they are people of Allah wa khasatuh. And they are the special people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, the last advice for me first and then you as my brothers and sisters, let's engage with the Quran so that we can be counted as that special people. Special to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ultimately, may Allah ta'ala make it that this journey of the Qur'an will reach us to that point. The hadith I started with, يُقَالُ لِصَاحِبُ الْقُرْآنِ It will be said to the Sahibul Al-Qur'an, May Allah make us amongst them. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Iqra, recite, wartaqi, ascend in the levels of Jannah. Recite it, measure tones, meaning, understanding, pondering. Go through the journey. فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَتَكْ Your final abode عِنْدَ آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا Will be the last verse you are able to recite. Ulama say that this part آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا The last verse that you are able to recite is not based on what you've memorized. It's based on what we've practiced. What we practice we will remember. What we knew but didn't practice, we will forget. 
So it's not about how good you have these, it's how well we practice the Quran. In conclusion, we ask Allah Ta'ala to make us from among the Sahibul Quran. Amin Ya Rabbil Alameen. And may our hearts be filled with the nur of the Quran and may it be a means of our entry and our family's entry and our friends and neighbors into Jannatul Firdaus. Thank you, Shahisa Parker, for the engaging lecture. Um, we will have the Q&A session now. Um, if you guys could go into the Slido website and enter the code MAYWA, inshallah, Shahisa Parker can answer your questions from there. start answering the questions inshallah. I'll read the question first and then I'll answer it. I've noticed, I'll just read it as it's written, I've noticed that in Australia many read Quran with translation. However, in Muslim countries there is an emphasis on knowing what's recited. Would you agree? I, yes, I do agree simply because, well, depending on what we refer to as Muslim countries, but if we talk about um, predominantly Arab countries, um, like we lived in Syria for a short while, um, then you find absolutely people read, but you'll seldom find them engaging beyond what they're reading. Now, it's either because they understand quite a bit already just through recitation, but yes, so engaging with translations is not common, for, I guess for obvious reasons, because unless we don't speak Arabic, we you know, we'll engage more with the translation. But yet it is true, generally, generally speaking, that where Quran is commonly recited, places where lots of people read it and memorize, 
those in South Africa where we're from is one of those places that I find people don't engage a lot with the translation. Why? Because people are very busy with recitation, either reading or memorization. So people spend so much time and hence my encouragement is to try and balance it. Number two, um, is it better to read a lot of Quran in Arabic or less but with meaning? Great question. I believe each one needs to decide for themselves what works for them, but I would recommend a more balanced approach. So for example, every Friday if you read Surah Al-Kahf as an example, then surely by you know, week three or four, we should be knowing what it means already. Not word for word, but you should know what the Surah is about. Then the next Friday when you read it, you don't need to engage with the translation anymore. You have an idea what the surah is about. So it's vitally important that we read the Quran and look at its meaning. And yes, I would recommend that, that we balance between the two, however we like, inshallah. But you know, more or less of the one or the other, not necessary, inshallah. Um, what are the tips to connect with the Quran when it's a woman's time? Okay, yep, very good. When a woman goes through the uh, monthly menstruation, it's how to feel connected, especially when we can't pray. So as we know, there are restrictions of what can and can't be done. So without a doubt, how do we connect? So one way absolutely would be to listen to Quran. Right? That's one way. To listen to it. Um, so yes, not reciting with, but listening. So you're hearing the Quran. Another way would be permitted to read uh, in, uh, commentary on it, detailed explanation of the Qur'an. That's another way to engage with the Qur'an in those times. All right? I'll just take them as they come, inshallah. Um, how much memorization do you suggest um, in, say, a week for someone who wants to engage in the Qur'an but is also a full-time student? Memorization of Qur'an is dependent on your ability to memorize and retain information. Each of us are different. I personally was a very weak student in Hidd. Very weak. It's only my mother's dua and my teacher's guidance that I, I finished it, alhamdulillah. So I know it's quite a struggle, but there are other people who find it very easy, learn very quickly. So each person is different. It's not, I'm not able to tell you exactly how much is reasonable. It depends on your ability. Maybe meet with me afterwards and ask me more detail about your arrangement. But what I'd normally tell people is, if you want to engage with the Quran, you memorize it to small amounts every day. Two lines, three lines, doesn't matter. To small amounts every day. Right? And that's manageable. You can, of course, you have to revise and the like, but that's manageable. Um, just looking at some here. What's a, a routine of someone who is learning the Quran like? Or can you recommend how we should plan our day to help with learning the Quran? Beautiful. So what's the routine of a person who engages with the Quran? Again, each one's routine will be different. A recommended routine would be, naturally, we'll get up for Fajr, Salah, inshallah. It's always good to engage with the Quran either before or after Fajr. It's a time when we are the freshest. If you're memorizing, it's the best time to memorize. So I would normally say a bit before, a little bit before, which is my habit, or afterwards, um, engage with the Quran, recite it, read it. And it doesn't have to be large amounts. If your capacity is at one page, looking inside, do one page, stop there. Don't say, well, today I'm going to read, you know, all 800 pages of the Quran, 
or you know, I want to do five pages today. If it's not your habit, we'll get tired. It, tomorrow when you want to read that, you're going to say, oh, five pages took me very long. It's an effort. Don't do that to yourself. So do small amounts every day. Read one page and close the mushaf. You feel I still have energy to go, stop. Until it becomes a habit. So those of us who memorize, of course, we need to read one juice every day minimum. We can't read less than that. So that's our responsibility was memorized. But if you've not memorized, do small amounts as practical for you. Something you can sustain long term. How do I keep myself motivated to recitation if I don't understand it? Yep. That's a hard one. That's a difficult thing. So as we said, either engage a little bit with the meaning before you read the Arabic. So you read the English and now when you read the Arabic, you know what, what it's about, sort of. The other way is, again, is to have a routine. The biggest difficulty we face with Quran reading is if you don't have a routine, we've blocked out a certain time in your day. Then we could find a thousand things to do besides reading Quran. But if, like I know some people's practice is Maghrib to Isha, for example. If you block that out, then if somebody wants to call you, you say, call me after Isha. Somebody want to visit you, say, come before Maghrib or come after Maghrib. We need to dedicate time to it. it it's not going to happen by itself. Like I say, if your time is before Fajr, you fix that. No one's going to call you, no one's going to visit you. After Fajr, great. That's your, but fix it every day. It's easy to maintain a habit when you do the same thing every day. So, definitely my encouragement. Um, is a person allowed to listen to Ruqan while studying given they maintain focus for the Quran? So, for example, somebody is doing uni work and they have Quran playing in the background. I'm not a mufti, but my opinion is Quran is not for background listening. Quran is not for background listening. It's either you're listening or you're not listening. Right? And I'm not sure, I've never tried it. How do you listen to Quran and study at the same time? I'm not that good at multi-skilling. Uh, multitasking, but uh, for me, when I think of the respect the Quran deserves, it deserves our full attention. Anything less is not respectful in my mind. So if I'm going to listen to Quran, I'm going to listen to absolutely. So for example, if somebody, a few people are driving in one vehicle and they put Quran on but people are talking, then rather put the Quran off. Or rather stop talking and listen to the Quran. Give Quran its due regard. So if you're studying, then say, okay, this 20 minutes, I want to listen to Quran. Put your studies aside and listen. After the 20 minutes, stop that. You got the nur, you got the barakah. Study, I, I believe Allah will guide you in your studies. So that would be my preference to do, inshallah. So that is the basis of it. Right, so Allah Ta'ala says, thank you for that. Allah Ta'ala says that when the Qur'an is recited, Quran, so you hear it being recited, فَاسْتَمِعُوا Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala doesn't say, فَاسْمَعُوا Listen, Allah Ta'ala says, فَاسْتَمِعُوا There's a tie in the word, which means attentively. Listen with intent. Give it full regard. Why? So Allah Ta'ala can show you guidance and, and success and blessings from it. Jazakallah khair, barakallahu fiqh. As a Muslim that's learning about Islam themselves, what would be best way to bring up children with the Qur'an? MashaAllah, from very young, engage them with the Qur'an. Put them in a class where they learn it. That's the best way. From young, uh, and I mean as young as four, five, six years old, let them join a class where they are taught to read the Qur'an. That's the starting of the journey, but that's the best. If we wait till they're much older, it's very difficult. 
It's very hard. But when they're young, it's easy to engage them with the Qur'an. Um, is it permissible for a Muslim to donate the organ to people who are in need? Um, the fatwa is, yes, it's permissible, provided there is need. Yeah? What's the between of someone who's learning the Qur'an? Oh, I think we've done that one, yeah? Sorry. Very good. Um, do, I, do you recommend any specific translation of, or the meaning of the Qur'an and any book of tafsir? MashaAllah, there are many, especially in today's time, there are many, many. Uh, I would say find um, generally the English ones that are suited to our English. Right? Some are written in a very classical or old English writings. Those are hard to con comprehend. Uh, find ones, and there are many. Even here in Perth, you can find them. They are suited to our English. That's one thing. So that's for the translation. Um, the other one is, uh, what was that? The meaning, tafsir. Amongst the, the best known ones, of course, it's like Tafsir ibn Kathir and the others. Um, they are written at a very academic level. So you get ibn Kathir, Qurtubi and others. They are very academic the way it's written. And for many of us, we'll, we'll find it tiring to read it unless you're academically inclined. Yeah? There are later ones that are written. So one uh, that I um, recommend people to read is, it's, it has many volumes, but very easy to read is Ma'ariful Qur'an. It's in English now, very well written English. Um, that is one I recommend. I have it on my shelf. I also use it. We have it in our masjid. It's easy to read. All right? So Ma'ariful Qur'an is very easy to read. There are many others, but that's definitely one I would recommend for easy reading. Like, not that reading uh, Qur'an is leisure, but I mean relaxed reading. Like you don't have to think too deeply about it. You don't have to struggle to comprehend its meaning. It's written in a very good way. Um, that's among ones that I would recommend. Uh, there are a few others. Yes, I agree with that too. Um, does the Qur'an have any reference, reference to the end of time, specifically the second coming of Isa salam? So much of the prophecies of the final hour comes from hadith of the Prophet The Qur'an always just talks about the final hour, the final hour, what it looks like, what will happen, what Allah knows, a little bit here and there. But much of it comes from hadith. Yeah? So much comes from hadith. What is the best way to learn Arabic or the Qur'an with the ability to understand what I'm reciting? Alright, so... There are two ways to learn Arabic. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert in it, but two ways. The one way is you learn to speak it, so you learn the Arabic language to have conversation. That's one way of learning Arabic. The other way of learning Arabic is to be able to understand the words of the Qur'an. The way I learned it was to understand the Qur'an originally, but my trip to Syria helped a little bit. In, I'm not horrible at it, but at least I gained some ability and skill in it. So, if we want to learn Arabic to understand it, to understand what we're reading, it doesn't necessarily mean we'll develop the skill of speaking it. Muhadatha is a different process. So then we need to learn it very much on the grammar. That's the way you learn Arabic. So you need to find somebody that's going to teach you from a grammar perspective as opposed to conversational perspective to be able to understand the Quran. There are many... Um, Textbooks now, even programs, the one I have on my shelf currently is where, uh, let's say, you know, in three months, you know, 50,000 words of the Qur'an. It's like, wow, 50,000? But it actually works. Because you learn first the most commonly repeated words in the Qur'an. 
So you learn those first. So for example, when you see the word dunya, for example, which means the earth we're living on, now you know what it means. Anytime you see the word dunya, you know what it means. Right? And the like. So they teach you those words first. And that's another way of learning Arabic. So to answer the question, if I want to understand the Quran, I have to approach it from the vocabulary of the Quran. I have to approach it from the grammar of the Quran. And you might develop speaking ability from it, you might not, but you could develop understanding. But yep, it takes many hours, hard work, consistent effort. May Allah Ta'ala motivate one and all, inshallah. Do you recommend perfect tajweed first and then memorizing? Absolutely. If anybody wants to memorize the Quran, then learn to read it exceptionally well first. So our class, a number of my students sitting here, I don't accept a student into my Hibs class unless they can recite the Quran. And what I mean by recite is, I open the Mus'haf anywhere and you must be able to read it. A lot of students open them in the middle of the Mus'haf say, Brother, I didn't read that. I can't read that. What do you mean you can't read? Because they got so used to only reading parts that they're familiar with, they haven't realized that they actually learned the skill. Quran reading is a skill. Once you obtain the skill, like English, you can read any book. Same with Arabic, same with the Quran. So my recommendation, if you are memorized, beautify your, not to perfection, but beautify your recitation first with Tajweed. Otherwise, the problem is you're going to learn it wrong and to undo it is very difficult. Once I've read it wrong, learned it wrong, stuck in my head wrong, it's very, very hard to undo it. Um, what do I think about clothing items um, that have Quran verses on it, like necklaces, shirts, and bracelets? I don't like it. Absolutely don't like it. I feel it's a disrespect to the Quran. Absolutely. If you have the frames and that, that we hang on, okay, I can handle that. Um, but uh, uh, this. You know, bracelets and things with ayat of Qur'an and things. Uh, to me, that's disrespectful to the Qur'an. Not the words, but the way we handle those things. Where we put it, what we do with it, and where we go with it, and the like. For me, that's disrespectful. Just like I have a big issue uh, with people whose ringtones are verses of the Qur'an. I'm, of course, Sheikh Sudais uh, in Saudi Arabia made it clear that it's even actually haram to do that. To have your ringtone a verse of the Qur'an or recitation of it. To me that's disrespectful. Because your ringtone is not for you to listen to recitation. It's indicating to you, notifying you that somebody's calling you or messaging you. So that's disrespect to the Qur'an. May Allah Ta'ala guide us. Amen. So yeah, absolutely I am against it. Why does Surah Tawbah not start with Basmala? Okay, good question. Um, there are multiple reasons for it. The most commonly accepted reason is, uh, you might have heard they say because it's a, a curse on shaitan and the like. Um, the one that I accept the most because that's the general exception, uh, accepted ruling between ulama is that at the time of uh, compiling, the Sahaba was sitting and putting the Quran together, compiling it together, they, at that time, Placing the Bismillah was, per the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, the being of every surah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is placed. When they were compiling it, the, the Sahaba at that time did not know whether the surah before it, which is Surah Al-Anfal, and Surah Tawbah is one surah or two surahs. And there was no indication whether it was one or two surahs. So they kept the two separate without Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the beginning. 
That is the ruling that I accept in my understanding. There are other ulama have given different opinions on it. Like I say, some say it's not Bismillah. You don't say Bismillah uh, because there's a curse on shaitan and the like. And I respect all viewpoints. But this is the one that I accept. Allah grant us. Um, what is your favorite, most impactful verse of the Quran? MashaAllah. Put me on a spot, but I'll tell you. Even now I can't tell you. It's already having impact on me. You see, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, I read it often in Salah. That the people who have taqwa, Allah ta'ala will, they will be drawn towards Jannah, Zumara in droves. When they reach them, and the doors are open. And the doorkeeper standing, open the door, come inside. What will they say to us? May Allah Ta'ala make us from amongst them. Ameen. Will say to us, Salamun alaykum. Peace be upon you. Tibatum, you've done amazing. Fadakhuluha khalideen. Enter into it forever. وقالوا, and me and you as we enter Jannah we will say وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي صَدَقَنَا وَعْدًا All praise to Allah for He has kept His promise. الْأَرْضِ And He has made us inheritance of the land. Which land? Jannah. That we will abode and live in Jannah wherever we like. What an amazing reward for the ones who act, do the deed. That, that verse, many beautiful verses in the Quran, but that one gets me every time. I ponder about it a lot. I think, and I, those who follow me in Salah know I recite it often. May Allah Ta'ala put the reality of it in our hearts. Amen. Is it disrespectful to play Quran to help you fall asleep? If you are listening to it in those moments, of course, nothing wrong with that. There's no problem with that. It's calming the heart and the mind. But at the same time, you know, at some point you want to switch it off and just go to sleep. Yeah. You don't want that to be, you're falling asleep and it's still playing by itself. Right? So, but yeah, absolutely no problem with that. What are the etiquettes from uh, reciting from the Mus'haf? Well, number one, of course, is that we show utmost respect to the Mus'haf. That's number one. So if you're touching it, we have wudu and reciting it. Um, the way we page, the, the way we look at the Mus'haf. Um, these are etiquettes, the way we sit. They are not what is fard, you know, what is uh, necessary. It's etiquette. You know, so leaning against the wall with my legs stretched, not haram, but I feel that's disrespect to the Quran. It lacks etiquette. Yeah? Uh, where we sit, how we sit, what environment we're in. For me, that's the etiquette of Quran. That is how we will connect with it and inshallah, its reality will enter our hearts. Uh, what are the explanations of the hadith of the Prophet I'm talking about adab al-qabr, punishment in the qabr, regarding the one who the remembrance Allah came to and they left it. Look, this is in Quran itself already. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about that, that people who um, knew about Allah and then turned their backs on it. Right? Or knew about Allah and allowed it to fade from their lives. May Allah forgive us and protect us. Ameen. So, 
the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, when talking about the punishment of the grave talks about certain acts and deeds that were done and it's punishable in a particular way. This particular issue that was raised is more found in the Quran. Allah Ta'ala often talks against those people, almost angrily at those people who turn their backs to the obedience and the members of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is it appropriate to place verses or ayats of the Quran on gravestones? Again, not my preference, absolutely not. Um, um, There's not from the Sunnah, first of all. Right. There's no example from the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, where ayat and the like is placed on gravestones. So, again, I'm not a mufti, I can't say that it is haram, but talking about Quran, uh, definitely not my preference. What are the benefits meanings behind reading Quran for the deceased? The, the ruling is very simple. Then. The Prophet وسلم, has said that we, we can only benefit the deceased in certain ways. The one is, uh, if they've done a charity, they get benefit from it. If we do charity on their behalf, they benefit. If we make dua for them, they benefit. So what is the ruling on reciting Qur'an for the deceased? It's vitally important that we understand, first of all, this concept, this idea of reciting for the deceased is very much based in cultural practice. Yeah? That's number one. Number two, so if you ask me what's my culture, I do also engage in it. But what's my practice? The practice is that I will recite some Qur'an in the hope, inshallah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts the dua afterwards. So that is my practice. So we're not reading with this intent and niyyah that every word I read will go. Now remember, if I'm reciting Qur'an, automatically my mother and father gets reward. That's automatic. I don't need to intend it. Anybody else that we read for, my niyyah would be, I'm reading with the niyyah that after that we make dua, my dua will be accepted for the person because that's all we can do for him, besides charity. May Allah ta'ala guide us, which is pleasing to Allah. Is the reward reading the Mus'haf different from reading on the phone? No, the reward's not different. You're reading the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the connection with that recitation will be different. Absolutely. The spiritual benefit that you'd get from it spiritually in, as in you connecting with the quran will be absolutely different it's completely different it's way different holding a mushaf in your hand to holding a phone but if you're reciting from of course allah ta'ala will reward you for the recitation so there's no sin or wrong in it can there be negative side effects from excessive recitation of Quran? For example, if I recite Surah Yasin 15 times a day or 30 times hypothetically. First of all, there is no real Sunnah practice from the Prophet ﷺ of repeating certain Surahs multiple times. But there were the Sahaba, for example, famous one who used to uh, repeat Surah Al-Ikhlas often. Often used to read, every Salah he'll read it. He'll read one portion of, and read Surah Ikhlas afterwards. That they dragged him to the Prophet all he reads the Surah Al-Ikhlas. When the Prophet asked him, why do you read it? He says, because I love the Surah. The Prophet replied, well, the Surah loves you too. So there's no problem in reciting it often or many times. But to put a number to it with a, a magical purpose to it, there's no basis for that in Quran. Right? So there's no basis if I read it 40 times, I'm going to get this benefit. If I read it 50 times again, there's no basis for that in Sharia. But if you like repeating the surah, by all means go for it, enjoy yourself. The beauty of the Quran is that we never actually get tired of it. That's the beauty. Amazing. Um, 
Is a person allowed to oh, is a person allowed to pray salah behind a person from a different sect? So here we're talking about the various sects within Islam. All the main different ones would be Sunni and Shia. Those are the most common ones. But there are a few other classical groups. The basic ruling is that you follow the person from amongst your group and your sect. So a Sunni will always follow a Sunni Imam. Right? Shia will follow Shia Imam. I have acquaintances who are Shia. They say straight, yep, they only follow Shia Imam. Other groups are the classical groups. They're not very common in today's time, so we don't need to really worry about them much. But these two groups are still the most common. So to answer you, yes, we should follow those in, within our sect of Islam. May Allah ta'ala guide us for that which is pleasing to him. What does it mean when they say Surah Al-Ikhlas is one-third of the Qur'an? Authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said, if you want a reward of reciting the whole Quran, read Qulu Allahu Ahad three times. So yes, why is it? Because Qulu Allahu Ahad, the whole surah, what does it talk about? One thing and one thing only. What is it? Tawheed talks about Allah and Allah alone, nothing else. And the whole Quran, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, expands on that content, on that topic. It expands on the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hence it's equivalent. Is it true that some verses are good to read for ruqya? Yes, absolutely. Um, ruqya means a healing, uh, a method of healing through the Quran. Um, that is from the, uh, without a doubt, from the sunnah established that we read ayat of the Quran, absolutely permitted. Uh, it is permitted to recite, absolutely, no problem. Can you read surah without wudu and without touching the mushaf? So that would mean reciting from memory. Yes, you can read from memory without wudu. Right? Without wudu, you can read from memory, no problem. But if you're going to intend to hold the mushaf in your hand, then we should have wudu in charge. Yes, please. All right, good question. And I think you're the person who asked me the question before, right? Um, a while back. Yeah, so uh, based on, on my best understanding, is that if we're reading from memory, of course, no problem. But if we are like a mushaf in my hand, I'm reading the Quran, like the phone, if I'm paging with it, so ulama say, yep, you should have wudu for it. Right? Because you're again touching the ayat of the Quran, even though it is digitally done. So, um, What is the best way to do uh, sabak? That's the word we use for new lessons. Um, again, it depends how much you've memorized, what you're doing, which surah you're memorizing. It's so many variables, but the best way is to break verses into small pieces. The best way. You want to memorize something, break it into small parts. A quick tip, very quick. So try it, inshallah, if you haven't memorized before, if you are memorizing. So if you want to memorize, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, you're not going to, you all know it, obviously. Instead of reading Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, over and over and over and over, hope that it sticks in our head, doesn't work like that. Alhamdu, 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 repeat it. Lillahi, 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 repeat it till it's stuck. And then add the two together. Alhamdulillahi, 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 Rabbil, Rabbil, Rabbil Alameen. So you break it into parts, and each part 10, 15 times continuously. Uh, quick tip, but that's if you need more help, let me know, inshallah. How does one come to love the Qur'an? MashaAllah, what a good question. How do you love the Qur'an? Well, hopefully what we shared with you today will take you in that direction, inshallah. 
to know how valuable the Quran is. Read hadith in which the Prophet talks about Quran, where he praises those who read the Quran. And the best way to love the Quran is to read it by itself. That's the way we develop love for it. When reading the Quran, if we accidentally pass wind, is it okay we continue reading or should we stop? Uh, if we pass wind, that means our wudu is broken. If you're touching the mushaf, of course you have to place it down, but you can continue reading from memory, right? Or if the mushaf is open, without the person touching the page, if they want to finish their page, so they're looking at the words, it's also fine, it's permitted. It's touching the mushaf, that's the issue once we don't have wudu. Uh, what is the sunnah with markings on the grave? Generally the sunnah is, uh, it's a marking either as a name or a number to identify the person. Uh, generally, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they would put either a little rock just to indicate that it's actually a grave. That's the indication. In today's time it's permitted. They have usually numbers in the graveyard. If you put a person's name, that is permitted. There's no problem with that. Yeah. Um, please address a wrong popular thought that ordinary person should not read the Quran with meaning. Okay, so, they, yep, so they, there's some who feel that if you are without training and guidance, if you are going to read the Quran with meaning, that you might develop or start making up your own meaning of the Quran. That's the fear people have. So remembering when we are reading the translation, we are just getting an idea of what the ayat and the verses are saying. If there's anything that is not clear or needs further explanation, we should be going to those who know and get guidance from them. That's the main thing. So yes, it is correct that when you're reading the meaning, even tafsir books, explanation of the Quran, when you read it, don't think, well, now I'm a sheikh, I can explain people the Quran. No, there's much more training that goes in before I can do that. Right? It's a minimum seven years of study. So uh, just reading a translation doesn't give us the skill to now interpret and draw meaning from the Quran. And that is an error. That's a wrong approach that people have. So some would just sit with the translation and think instantly they can give lectures and they can talk about the Quran. Absolutely a fault. May Allah save us from that kind of fault. I mean, when you're reading, it's for your understanding. There are a lot that we need to understand and connect with to have a full ability to explain the Qur'an. Is it better to start reading Qur'an Majid, correct? Um, then you're able to start using Qur'an with Tajweed. Yes, initially just about building the skill of recitation. So how we do with our, our young students is they learn the lessons, they learn to connect, they learn to read long verses, but they're not learning Tajweed theory. But you're teaching them to pronounce things correctly. And later we then learn Tajweed. And I think it's, I'm at my last question actually. An empty house is left for a long time while having a dhikr, what's a dhikr plug? I don't know what that is. I, I, and, and it disappeared. Question ran away from me. Oh yeah, gone on top. Or kids enough only, or just surah al-Baqarah. Okay, I understand the question now. Um, so the Prophet said, do not turn your homes into graveyards. Recite Surah Al-Baqarah in it. 
So the question is, if a house has been left empty, no dhikr, nothing being recited in it, what would be the first step? Must we do ruqya and chase all the funny things out of the house? Or do we read the best, sunnah, read Surah Al-Baqarah, the Prophet said so. So in other words, if your home, may Allah grant us barakah in our homes, if our homes are such where Quran is never recited, no one reads it. And for years and weeks and months, no one reads Quran in it. And all of a sudden we decide, you know what, we want to revive this practice of having Quran recitation in our homes. Then per the sunnah, the Prophet Sallallahu a good starting point is Surah Baqarah. Why is it a good starting point? Because it's the second surah in the Quran. And then just keep reading the rest in your house. Keep going for months and months and months. Read the whole Quran many times over, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us and bless us. I'm not sure if I missed anything. I hope I've answered all the questions, inshallah. That is our time. Unless somebody to shout out one more. Um, otherwise, we'll conclude. Please ask. So, the ayah, remember, the main operative word in the verse is this ayah, the sign. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, as we know, sent many, many ayah, different ones. And even in the Quran, Allah ta'ala makes indication. Now, it's not mentioned specifically, right? Other than um, in other parts of the Quran where Allah ta'ala does mention that Isa alayhi salam was not killed, he was raised to the heavens and he will return. So those ayah together coupled with the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, combined together then gives us this understanding that Nabi Isa will come down. Right? So that ayah specific doesn't mention it, so then it, it boils down to the understanding of the ayah. Right? So that is how we look at it. I hope that answers your question, inshallah. Alright, all done, inshallah. Had enough for one night. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you in all and follow hearts with the nur of the Qur'an. I hope this session was of value to you. If it was good, it's from Allah. Anything wrong, it was my fault. May Allah forgive us. Amen.